for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is the update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Matt Barrows, who covers the San Francisco 49ers for the Athletic, about the offseason ahead. Not just about Trey Lance, but about an extension to Nick Bosa, maybe Debo Samuel, which defensive linemen return, and who's going to start at defensive back for the 49ers in week one of 2022. All things we can discuss with Matt Barrows, who joins me next. Today is Wednesday, February 2nd. It's a pleasure, as it always is, to welcome Matt Barrows back to the update. Matt, end of the season for the 49ers, but I think it's going to be a, I don't want to call it tumultuous, it's going to be an ever-changing offseason, lots to get into, man. How are you? I'm good, yeah. It's going to be um, a fairly loaded uh, offseason. I mean, usually the really loaded ones are the ones where they're hiring a new coaching staff or a GM, and I don't think that's going to happen, although... There was a Boomer Esiason rumor about John Lynch this morning. So the quarterback situation will be a big one. And there are some pretty prominent free agents looming for this team. So uh, it it should be a fairly action-packed winter and spring for the 49ers. Yeah, I think I saw 19 potential unrestricted free agents for the Niners. As far as that list, who are the guys you look at as maybe the most likely to come back or maybe the most important to come back? I would put Lake and Tomlinson at the top of that list because ostensibly you're you're transitioning from a veteran quarterback to a very young quarterback and protection is going to be key. And uh, you've got a nice thing going on right now with uh, Trent Williams and Lakin on the left side of that line. I don't know if there's a better left side of line in the NFL right now. So I would think that you would want to keep that going. Although, I mean, it's going to be... A pretty penny. So um, it'll be interesting. I'm sure Tomlinson wants to get out there and, and test his value on the open market. But I would put him at the top. I put DJ Jones up there. I don't know about him because I feel like this team is really committed to Javon Kinlaw. And so I'm not sure you want to pay DJ Jones starter like money if you don't think he's the starter, if you think Kinlaw is going to be there in the middle there. So I'm not sure about him. And then to me, the most intriguing one is Raheem Mostert. I don't know what his market's going to be. I don't know whether the 49ers already have sort of found his replacement in Debo Samuel, you know, using him as the home run hitter at running back. I would make the argument that this team is so reliant on running backs and these running backs get hurt so often that uh, you, you bring him back, thinking that the market may be a bit diminished because of his injury history, although it would be uh, a risk because of that injury history. But if I were the GM, and I'm not, if I were the GM, I would bring Raheem Mostert back. That would be an interesting move because that's a guy who you sort of forget about, goes down first game of the season. But having that trio, Raheem Mostert, uh, Elijah Mitchell, you have Jermichael Hasty obviously back there also, and then having Debo Samuel, I'd say having him in conjunction with Raheem Mostert makes you even more dangerous in the running game. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm just not sure you can put Debo Samuel back there 15 snaps a game and expect him to last through a 17-game season. This is in addition to his, uh, his wide receiver snaps I mean, I think it's great to have him back there, for sure. Certainly to have him back there in case Raheem Mostert does get hurt. But I'm not sure the rate at which he was playing running back and receiver in the second half of the season, I don't know if that's sustainable through a whole year. And the other part is that when, when you put Debo Samuel back at running back, he's not there at receiver. I mean, so you are taking away from one position, robbing Peter to pay Paul, as it were, by putting him back there. And then he requires extra rest. 
when he's used as a running back too. So I tallied it up. Week 10 was really the first game where he started to to take a lot of running back snaps. He was averaging, he was taking 85% of the team's offensive snaps up until that point. Afterwards, it drops to 69% because of what I just described, that rest that you need when you're playing running back. So you're not getting, it's weird, he's getting more touches, but he's on the field less when he's being used as running back. Yeah, I love that uh, that saying, robbing Peter to pay Paul. It's like they're both apostles. Aren't they going to talk? Yeah, they hang out with each other, right? There's my, <laughs> my my 13 years of Catholic school biblical riff. Uh, as far as some of the other free agents on this list here, guys like Arden Key, guys like Kwan Williams, Jaquaski Tart, Jason Verrett obviously went down first game of the season. Where do you come down on some of those guys, and, and do you think an, a contract could be extended to any of those? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, uh, Kwan Williams, it's always great to have a, a veteran nickel cornerback, especially in this league. I mean, I think they probably went nickel just about every snap against the Rams on Sunday. He's getting into his 30s. He's hurt a lot. I don't know if his market's going to be super high. Same with Tart. I think these guys are sort of one-year deal type of guys. They'll, They'll test out the market. They'll see what's out there. And the 49ers will say, hey, uh, go ahead, test the market, but keep us in the loop and give us sort of an opportunity to, to match or, or look at any deal that you're hoping to get, and we'll see what we can do. So I think that those are big. I mean, Arden Key would be nice. I think Jordan Willis also is a, uh unrestricted free agent. So a lot of guys from that D-line are DJ Jones. I already mentioned him being the biggest one, but this team really wants to have what they call that Bravo group, that second group of defensive linemen. They want a deep and talented line so that Nick Bosa isn't playing 90% of the snaps. Eric Armstead isn't playing 90% of the snaps. And they were getting that in the second half of this this season. So I would uh, expect that they bring some of those guys back. I think uh, Kevin Givens is a uh, exclusive rights free agent, which means he's he's very likely to come back. So they should get some of those players back. Charles Amenehue, I think, is signed for another season. But I would say of Arden Key or Jordan Willis, one of those guys, I don't want to say imperative, but I think that they're going to make sure to get one of those guys back at least. And based on how they played at the end of the year, the continuity with the D-line would be fantastic to have them back as a group again next year. You're talking about that second Bravo unit. But I guess as far as the continuity goes, it starts at the top. What can you tell me about D'Amico Ryan's declining the second interview with the Minnesota Vikings? I was thinking, boy, this many jobs open, he's maybe likely to get one of these things. And he got a second interview extended and declined the offer, which I guess means he'll be back. What do you know about this? When he got hired here back in 2017, I mean, the rumors were already, not rumors, but the speculation was that this guy was fast-tracked to defensive coordinator, fast-tracked to a head coach. And it tells you something about D'Amico Ryans. I mean, who pulls out of a, of a head coaching interview? It shows kind of tremendous restraint and sort of self-awareness, I would think, that, okay, this was my first year as defensive coordinator Maybe I need a little bit more seasoning. I'm speculating that that's what's going into his thought process. It was a long, arduous year. I thought that he got better as the year went on. I thought, you know, the last few games, especially the Green Bay game, were some of his uh, his best work. But, um, I mean, I think it's a, a real boon to the 49ers to get this guy back because there were growing pains early on. That's what uh, that's what you get when you're a first-time coordinator. The 49ers and, and Ryans went through that. So it's something that they wouldn't – they hit the ground running, I guess is my point, in 2022. 
now that it looks like he's coming back. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. On the other side of things, the offensive coordinator, Mike McDaniel, who got, I guess, promotion to be O coordinator this year so that they didn't lose him last offseason, looks like he's a finalist now for the Miami Dolphins job. How big of an impact does this have on the offense with Kyle as a play caller, and how big of an impact does it have on Trey Lance potentially being the starter next year? Yeah, anytime there's a shakeup, it will. I mean, to me, McDaniel is sort of the architect of, of the running game, which is what the 49ers are. That's their identity. So if he left... And I think it's possible he does leave. I mean, he's a, an offensive coordinator who doesn't call plays. So I think that even if there's a, a defensive coach hired in New Orleans or Miami or, or one of those places, I, I wonder whether one of those teams would make a run at Mike McDaniel. And, and the 49ers wouldn't have to allow him to leave because it would be technically a lateral move. But it would be better for his career if he did, and he, and if he did become a play caller, and he did kind of escape from Kyle Shanahan's shadow, so that would be something that Shanahan would have to decide on. <laughs> He's so valuable for this team that I would think the answer would be no. But I, I don't know really how that works. And McDaniel's been a very loyal, valuable lieutenant for him for, gosh, I mean, uh, you know, beyond a decade now. So. It's a good question. It would upset things. I, I, I guess Bobby Slowick would be the guy who would sort of replace him on the 49ers if he did leave. And uh, maybe somebody else would get promoted as well. And they'd have sort of that, that dual coordinator thing that uh, Mike LaFleur and Mike McDaniel had up until last season. Have you enjoyed covering him? I mean, getting to see him do pressers this year because he's the offensive coordinator. I mean, he's he's sort of a goofy dude. He's kind of funny. He's not the football coach mold, I don't think, when you look at him or when you hear from him. But he, he's self-deprecating, cracks jokes about himself. How did you like covering him this year? I really enjoy it because of what you just said. It added some levity, some lightness to what have become sort of uh, by rote things that these coaches do. I mean, his pressers were way better than D'Amico Ryan's uh, pressers <laughs> were. But but he also explained things. I mean, there was some depth there that uh, you don't always get from a coordinator, especially a first-time coordinator, first time in front of the media as well. So I, I enjoyed it. I felt I learned a lot. I felt listeners and, and people who read his quotes learned a lot. And like I said, I mean, it's really the run game for him. And he's working with a very kind of, you know, it's a set number of, uh, of players that he's working with. And it's, it's a definite style that, that Kyle Shanahan runs. But he's got to be creative within those constraints. And I think that's the beauty of, of Mike McDaniel. He's, he's very creative and he's able to do something different with the same, basically the same set of circumstances each week to kind of uh, spring surprises on his opponents. A lot of moving parts for a team that plans to compete next year as far as uh, personnel on the roster and maybe on the coaching staff, too. So a bunch of stuff to monitor this offseason. Another contractual thing I forgot to ask you about. I I heard the Beat crew ask uh, in the end-of-season press conferences on Monday about Nick Bosa getting an extension this offseason, 15 and a half sacks for him this year. I think probably only outdone by J.J. Watt, who played like 15 games and and tied the record for 22 and a half sacks. Nick Bosa may be top three pass rusher in the game right now. Are you anticipating an extension this offseason? Yeah, I mean, uh, Bosa and Debo Samuel, I thought it was interesting that the 49ers uh, doled out their end-of-year awards, and they basically have two MVP awards. One is voted on by the players. Uh, that's the, the Len Eshmont Award, and that went to Debo Samuel. The other is voted on by 
the coaches, the Bill Walsh Award, and that went to Nick Bosa. <laughs> Both these guys are are up for contract extension. So I'm sure the front office wasn't loving the the final tallies of this. It only kind of uh, creates uh, more value for for these guys and for their agents going in. But it shows you just what they meant to the team in 2021, and uh, I think it uh, foreshadows some some really big contracts coming up. Yeah, they need to keep that guy in red and gold for a long time, both of those guys, but Nick Bosa when it comes up this offseason, uh, certainly something they need to attack. I want to ask about Fred Warner. He had an interesting comment on Monday talking about Trey Lance. I thought it was great hearing all the defensive guys give praise to Trey Lance. Jimmy Ward did so. Uh, Fred Warner did so. Fred Warner made a comment about Trey Lance as a 20-year-old coming into the league saying he thought they had a lot in common. What, what did you take away from that comment? What do you think that meant? Yeah, to me, that was the most salient comment about Trey Lance because I could I could totally see and understand what Fred Warner was talking about. He basically described Trey Lance as a, as a kindred spirit, somebody he understood. And I remember back in 2018, Fred Warner was a third rounder. And, and at that point, Reuben Foster was still part of the team. Reuben Foster would hold court at his, uh, his locker, very entertaining, uh, very magnetic personality. And people would, would gather around him and and hear what he had to say. And, and Fred Warner was was on the other side of the room, sort of understated. He was the studious guy. He was studying to become the middle linebacker, the guy that pl- that calls all the plays, that organizes everybody. And he was just quiet, but you know, tons of passion, but below the surface, it's all sort of percolating there. And Fred Warner said yesterday that he recognized some of those traits in Trey Lance as well. And, and I, I totally see it myself. Uh, and it makes total sense. Bottom line, <laughs> I think that means that the 49ers are, are in very good hands, that this is a guy that takes his responsibility uh, as, as starting quarterback going forward very, very seriously. He's going to work hard. He's going to study. It may not be lights out right away. You know, there, there were some growing pains for Fred Warner on defense, but you know, his 2020 season was, was spectacular. Uh, so it didn't take him very long to become very good in this lead and to um, take over as a leader on this team. And I think that's basically the, the arc that uh, Trey Lance is going to take as well. Yeah, and if you're looking for the mirror, like I know we've talked so much about the the Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes thing in Kansas City. I want to say Patrick Mahomes was on the bench for a playoff loss behind Alex Smith that year. So Trey Lance getting that experience and what it takes to get into the postseason even mirrors that a little bit going all the way to the NFC Championship. I don't want to let you go without a Trey Lance thought here on the way out, Matt. He was the only quarterback on Monday to speak. I know Jimmy Garoppolo is still scheduled to speak, but uh, as far as as him coming out with a lot of the starters. It was a lot of the defensive starters, a lot of the offensive starters. Did that mean anything to you? Was that a, a cognizant sort of transition to the guy who's going to be the face of the franchise beyond this year? Yeah, for sure. I mean, nobody was willing to say goodbye to, to Jimmy Garoppolo because it's not not official, but I think everybody recognizes what, what's going on. Uh, no, no one's stupid. They, they, they know that he was drafted third overall and that when you're drafted third overall, you take over the team. And it usually happens that year, but uh, this was sort of a, a special circumstances in 2021. But people see that that happening, and I thought that they, the the defensive players handled it really well. You know, saying good things about Jimmy Garoppolo, but also having an eye toward the future and and talking about what they saw from from Trey Lance all season and and, and the growth that they made. And some of that was 
in um, the defensive players doing? I mean, Warner, to his credit, really kind of requested Lance to to be better in in the practices and to step up and to uh, do a better job of emulating the upcoming quarterback, basically get out of his shell a little bit. And, And he probably needed that little kick in the pants to do that. He was being too careful. He was trying too hard a little bit and needed to let go. And I think that Warner probably got a little of that out of him. Uh, so that's great to see. It. You know, it reminds you of the, the Ronnie Lott, uh, Joe Montana practices back in the 1980s. Certainly not to that level yet. <laughs> but uh, having that interplay, that uh, total full team, full roster interplay, I think is only good for the 49ers moving forward. Well, Matt, you did a great job covering uh, the team all season long. It was an unexpected season. It was a fun season, and it ends with a little bit of disappointment, but that's how it goes for 31 teams, man. No shortage of topics this offseason. I don't know if you're I don't know if you're getting a vacation this offseason, Matt. We'll, uh, we'll keep catching up with you, and we'll keep reading you, and, uh, and we'll talk down the road, man. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks for having me on. Talk to you guys later. Great stuff from Matt Barrows. Uh, a lot of fun to talk to you all season long, and it's true. For a team that I think is planning to compete next year with a, a quarterback that was taken number three overall this season, they're going to have a third-place schedule, which has got to be pretty favorable. They did that this year, but being 10-7 and seven this season is going to get them the third-place schedule next year, much tougher than what the Rams and the Cardinals are going to see next season as well, but a lot of questions to be asked for a team that plans to compete. Lots of free agents, 19 of them, and they could still be losing Mike McDaniel to the Miami Dolphins. That all remains to be seen. Thank you to Matt Barrows. Thank you to Brian, my producer. And thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. As the weeks go on, we'll keep monitoring what's happening with baseball's offseason. The lockout continues as it looks like spring training is going to be pushed back even further. We can also get into the Tom Brady retirement and Josh McDaniels, with an S, not Mike McDaniel, of the 49ers. Josh McDaniels takes over as the Las Vegas Raiders head coach. All things we can talk about in the days and weeks ahead. Until Friday, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you then.